Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Third and Long. I'm your host, Jacob. And man, the media is all over the Lakers. I know we don't really talk about the NBA since it's an NFL-based podcast, but there's something I would like to talk about, and that's player impact, right? LeBron goes to the Lakers, and it is everywhere, everywhere. I work in Atlanta. Right, and I'm seeing jerseys already. I'm already seeing purple LeBron jerseys on the street, which is a crying shame. Poor Hawks, but you know, it's incredible the impact that one player has. I mean, you could argue LeBron's a cheat code, right? Like, he goes to a team and they're a playoff contender. That, that has me thinking about players in the NFL. And why don't we have players that are basically cheat codes, or do we? You know, I think that's a really interesting topic. You know, we don't get these scenarios much in the NFL because football is very much one of the trenches. And so, you know, 80% of the game is basically offense and defensive line. Sure, we have those superstars like Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown. We have the awesome quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. But if you pulled them from their team and they went to another team, would that break the NFL? LeBron going to the Lakers breaks the NBA. They are now a playoff contending team. They're going to be in the playoffs. Do not kid yourself, unless LeBron falls off a cliff. Yet, we do hype up players going to teams. It's just a very fascinating situation going on in the NBA. And it makes me wonder if we'll ever really have a move that breaks the NFL. You see, I've been thinking a lot about potential moves that may break the NFL. Um, One of the scenarios I came up with is Julio Jones to the Steelers. Could you imagine that? That would be insane. I, I say Julio to the Steelers and not Antonio Brown to the Falcons because nothing against Matt Ryan. Uh, Big Ben's more of a gunslinger. And I think the threat level with a gunslinger with the two best wide receivers in the league is a whole lot more frightening than Matt Ryan, who he does protect the football a bit more than Big Ben. Big Ben's going to rifle the football into some dangerous coverages. And that's, I think, why Antonio Brown has such crazy highlights sometimes, is that Big Ben is just, he's uh, bold enough to make some throws that Matt Ryan's not bold enough to make. Just different playing styles, you know. But, you know, just overall thinking about moves that could break the NFL. But then I stumbled upon a a, a move that actually might break the NFL. One that happened. Indomitian Sue to the Rams is a very interesting situation. We know Aaron Donald's looking for a long-term contract and one that he rightfully deserves and he should be the highest paid defensive player. 
Let's I, listen. I don't care what anyone says. Max, great for the Raiders. Jadavion Clowney's really good. Aaron Donald is a beast. I mean, he's on pace to be a Hall of Famer. First ballot could go down as the best defensive tackle slash defensive end because he plays multiple positions on that D line in history. He can do it all. This Sue signing is really interesting because if they're able to lock up Aaron Donald, boom, you got two of the best interior D linemen in the league on one team. No one's running the football. And Mark Barron was all over the field for the Rams last year. Now you're just giving him a clear gap. But let's say they're not able to sign Aaron Donald after this year. Well, you got your replacement. Sure, Sue's not Aaron Donald, but he's good enough. A few years ago, we were talking about Sue like he was one of the best defensive tackles of all time. With his run with the Lions, sure, his run with the Dolphins wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. He's still highly respected. He's still going to draw the double team, and he's still going to beat the double team. I think this move breaks the NFL. I think the Rams have found a way to make sure they're going to have crazy production from the interior of their D-line better than any other team. If they keep Donald, you got a crazy one-two punch. If you don't, you have a really solid backup plan. Just something to think about. So as we fantasize about these crazy trades that could happen one day, the Rams actually went out and did something a little bit crazy. And it might be the reason they go over the hump this year. Again, welcome to Third and Long, everybody. I have a great guest for you guys today. We have an awesome show lined up. My guest, he writes for multiple newspapers, covers a lot of teams for the NFL, but mostly the Minnesota Vikings. He has his own media outlet, and it's going to be really fascinating to have him on the show. We're going to be talking about the best brand franchises. We're going to be playing a little game, and we're going to be talking about overall who won the offseason from his perspective. What are the biggest question marks this year? And uh, talk about a few contract situations. So stick around, guys, and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me right now is my friend and my guest for tonight's show, Jordan Wright. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. How's your night going? I'm doing great. Now, I'm going to throw you under the fire right now, okay? All right. We're going to start with a game. I firmly believe, I've said it on the last two episodes, Football is one of the trenches, and defenses win championships. I love offense, but it's all about the defense. Would, would you agree with that statement? I'd like to, but uh, I don't know if I can agree with that. Oh. I do think offensive line is very important. I do think that defense is immensely important. But I think if you have an elite quarterback, if you have one of those guys, you are always in the conversation for championship. Um, I respect that as you know, you look at the Packers, they got Aaron Rodgers. I love Aaron Rodgers. He's the best quarterback in the game, in my opinion. And you saw what happened. You know, he got injured against the Vikings, unfortunately. And when he's out, I mean, that team is not I'm a good unfortunately. team. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. If Drew Brees went down tomorrow, I'd feel bad. But I would, I wouldn't be saying, unfortunately, I'd be like, oh shucks. <laughs> right, right. Like at the end of the day, there like, goes Drew Brees. Yeah, it sucks that it happened, but it happened, and you know, um, but you saw what happened. That 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 team's not not great without Aaron Rodgers. But oh you no, put absolutely Aaron not. Back. They're not even. They're not even an eight win team without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, they were seven and nine last year, and Rodgers didn't get hurt till oh, what week three? Oh, I think it was week five. Yeah, five sounds right. But yeah, you saw what happened. So I, oh, yeah. I think at the end of the day, if you have Tom Brady, if you have Aaron Rodgers, uh, Drew Brees, one of these elite quarterbacks, eh, you could have a, an average defense. You could have a suspect offensive line. You're still going to be a championship favorite. Well, let's talk about defenses for a second, though. You already named the first one. I was going to ask you, could you name me, off the top of your head, what do you think the top 10 defenses were last season? Depends how you're ranking. Now, to me, defense is all about stopping the offense from putting up points. So I always look at points against to rank defenses. But you could look at yards. Let's go by, I want to go by yards. All right. Yards a game. Vikings, obviously. Jacksonville has got to be up there. I know the Chiefs defense was really good last year. Uh, the Bears, I know, is a top 10 defense. I want to say Seahawks, but that's just because they're always there. And, this may uh, surprise you. This may surprise you. I got, I got the list. Some of these may surprise you. Yeah. Tell me tell me if you get surprised, okay? You got the first two, Minnesota and Jacksonville. Yep. Denver, not a surprise. They're, they're nope. just offense was so bad that the defense got gassed, but th- they were great. Philly. Yep. Not a surprise, which I want to talk to you about Philly and the dra- and how they draft a little bit later. Um, yep. Pittsburgh, I was kind of surprised to see Pittsburgh at number five. Definitely surprising. That was very surprising to me. Arizona. Hmm. Interesting. Carolina. Okay. That, that one's believable. They had a few shutouts. You know, they lost yep. that game to the Bears, and that was because of offense, not their defense. I mean, that was two defensive touchdowns for the Bears in that game. Um, Dallas, Atlanta, Chicago. See, that, it's surprising when, when you look at yards and uh, how many yards these teams gave up because there's definitely some surprises out there. The Steelers' defense, the, the Steelers surprised me because forever – when you think of the Steelers, you think of defense, right? And that's yeah. how they won their championships. I mean, that's you think of Steelers, first thing I always think of is defense. I'm surprised that they're there because, in my opinion, from watching a lot of Steelers games last year, they weren't that good of a defense. You know, I, I thought they were pretty good last year up until the Ryan Shazier injury. And I, I know that's just a tragedy in itself. That was tough, yeah. Yeah, but, like, after that Ryan Shazier injury, man, that that defense was just not – not good. I was really surprised of the fact that they didn't address the linebacker situation at all this offseason. Like, that was a big surprise to me. Yep, agreed. You did pretty good. And going back to your point about the difference between yards and uh, points given up, you know, the Patriots were 29th in yards, but 5th in points. So you're absolutely right. It is fascinating to see the difference between the points allowed and yards allowed. But it also depends on uh, just what the offense can do. You know, with the Broncos case, the offense was so bad, eventually the defense just broke down. You know, I don't care how good your defense is. If your offense keeps going three and out, eventually you're going to let stuff go. Oh, completely agree. 
I got an interesting question for you. Earlier in the show, I talked about LeBron going to the Lakers. Big story. I'm sure you've heard about it. It's just, it's just, it's just a big story. That's all. Just, just. Oh, did he? Did he announce where he was signing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I know. It's just floating around the web, you know. Um, <laughs> we, I talked about earlier that there aren't really any moves that break the NFL like they do in the NBA, like. You know, LeBron going to the Lakers is groundbreaking. But also, the Lakers are notorious for being an awesome location for players to go to. It's a great destination to reach. A lot of players want to play for the Lakers. Historic franchise. Beautiful weather. I feel like we don't have that in the NFL. Yes, people would like to play in L.A. and stuff. But I don't feel like we have that destination where players are like, that's where I want to play. Because people don't go to the Patriots because it's a historic franchise. People go to the Patriots because they have they have an historic coach. And that was something I was thinking about earlier. Do we have an historic franchise that players are like, I'm playing there because that's where winners go to play. That's where I can make the most money. That's where I can submit my legacy. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think the Patriots right now are the closest we've got. I think Green Bay is another one of those spots. But... I think the closest for Lakers to the NBA, you got to think Cowboys in the NFL, just that franchise that if you don't have a team, they're one of your teams that you just kind of, you know, all about Cowboys are America's team, all that. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good argument. I was thinking Raiders. Okay. I was thinking Raiders, but then I, then I realized, oh yeah, the Raiders suck for like the last 10 years <laughs> up until like a few years ago. So I was like, uh, probably not that then. I think it's fascinating just the difference between the NBA and the NFL. We just don't have signings this big in the NFL. Like it's it's not a national news story when a player switches teams. Like the only thing I can think of is if Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or like Antonio or Julio, like a big time player change teams. It's just not it, because players change teams all the time in the NFL. There's so many players. There's so many players in the NFL. The true differences between those two organizations during the offseason is always quite fascinating. The next thing I'd like to talk about, you know, your perspective of what it takes to win a championship, my perspective of what it takes to win a championship. Did you know that in the last 10 years, the Eagles have either drafted an O-lineman or D-lineman in the first round except for one year? That's impressive. Yeah. They, I mean, they definitely agree with your assessment that it – Starts in the trenches. I mean, you take away that offensive line for the Cowboys, I'd argue they're not really that great of a team. Like, what makes the Cowboys good is the fact that they play, uh, control the clock, keep the football away, have the defense rest up, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'd argue that one of the biggest weaknesses of your Minnesota Vikings is the offensive line. Oh, it's been their biggest weakness for the last decade. I mean, yes, but I'm talking about the, as a reason too. You know, I thought the well, like for example, hate to bring up bad memories, but don't feel bad. My Falcons lost to the Eagles too, so it's we're, we're both losers together. Um, one of the things that I really noticed about that Eagles team, other than the Super Bowl, was that the Eagles just dominated the trenches in all the playoff games, except against the Patriots. Which I mean, Bill Belichick always finds a way to to fix those issues, and they have a legendary coach as their own lineman coach. But, you know, you look at the game against the Falcons, like, the whole game, 
the Falcons O-line got bullied. You know, they got pushed around. And I would argue from the moment that Vikings Eagles game started, it was the same thing. The difference is, is different quarterbacks handled things differently. Case Keenum just did not seem comfortable all game against the Eagles. And the Eagles have such great depth on the D-line. Like they have crazy, you know, their first round pick, Derek uh, Barnett, wasn't even a starter last year. He was simply a rotational player. And I think he had like six sacks. Yeah, Eagles were one of the tops in the league for rotating that defensive line. Let you let your star players take a few plays off. They come back in there. They're able to go against this offensive line. That, And it's always kind of strange to me that they don't rotate the offensive line. And I think the Patriots really kind of started doing it. Uh, started two years ago. Last year, they were doing it quite a bit, uh, rotating that offensive line. And everyone was talking about it because the old adage forever has been, you know, you need continuity along that offensive line. You need all these players playing every snap right next to each other. And Belichick, being who he is, decided to buck that trend and uh, start rotating the offensive line. He's so much and fun. I can see that catching on. He's oh, so he's much awesome. fun. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. Belichick's fun. Like, come on. He. It's like he intentionally is like, what's something that's groundbreaking in the NFL? What's something that's traditional? I'm going to fix that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that. <laughs> like, him and Nick Saban are... are absolutely mad geniuses that just need to retire but can't because they're workaholic what did the patriots go 11 and 5 the year that brady was out yeah with, know, uh, with castle. castle yeah and yeah. miss the playoffs how do you miss the yeah, playoffs with yeah. 11 and 5 record <laughs> that's just what you get with great coaching you have these coaches that can just transcend the game and always makes you wonder if tom brady went to wherever Seattle Seahawks, right? Is is he Tom Brady? That's an interesting discussion. Or is it because he's under Belichick? Are you are you taking a hot take right now and saying that Tom Brady is the greatest system quarterback of all time? <laughs> it's it's I don't want to I don't want to call him that because I don't know. I look at what he does and the things that he's able to do and process. He's not the most physically gifted, obviously. He's not going to outrun anybody. He's not going to outthrow Ben Roethlisberger or anything like that. But the way that he processes the game is just insane, and that's what makes him the best. And I just don't know. Obviously, a lot of that has to come from him. You have to be able to do that. But how much of that was learned by Belichick that would not have been learned under a different coach? Um, Who goes first for you, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Who's the last man standing? You mean which of the two are going to retire first? Well, you know, we have all these reports that they're dysfunctional and falling out. Their marriage is over. But, you know, okay, let me first start by saying this. I don't know where these reports are coming from that they're friends and that they've had a fallout. I never thought they were friends. I could just tell by the way they interacted. I never thought they were even close. I think they just have a really great working relationship because they're both workaholics. However, you know, we have all these reports that, it's peaked. They they don't like each other and that they're not talking and Brady's going to TB12 and not, you know, attending mini camp and stuff like that. But who leaves first, who retires, which, which one of these two is the last one man standing in the organization? Oh man. See, here's my answer. This is like roulette. I'm not betting for red or black. I'm throwing my money on green. I think they ride off into the sunset together. Jared Allen style on a horse, just 
riding off into the sunset. So I just, we're, I you're really saying think... we're never going to get the answer to who was better, Brady or Belichick? Because I feel like both men want to prove that they're better than the other. Like I think deep down, Brady wants Belichick to go so he can go win a Super Bowl without Belichick. And I think Belichick wants Brady to go. And I actually think Belichick was getting ready to push Brady out the door with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's the reason this this has all happened, is that I truly believe Brady saw the end. I think Brady saw that Belichick was about to slam the door in his face. And that's why he went to Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft then demands Garoppolo gets traded. Both men want to prove they can do it without each other. But I think Brady was caught by surprise and uh, he panicked and he, he got Garoppolo removed from the situation. I could see that, that they would both want to do that. I, I think more so for Brady. I don't think Belichick's too concerned about it at this point, but it, it is interesting. I just, I don't see any way that Brady would outlast Belichick because at at a certain point Brady has to retire like he physically cannot will not be able to play the game at a certain point now he's already 40 years old you know so how how much longer is that i don't know but Belichick can keep coaching for a decade if he wants you still believe they're going to go out together but if yep. one of them stays longer than the other you're 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 taking Belichick yep all right speaking of uh franchises and uh Greatly run franchises as as the Patriots are. What would you consider the top five best franchises right now because of their coach, owner, position? Like, what would you consider franchises that are in like really good condition and you can see longevity for them? I'm talking like I'm talking about in the next five years, you can see longevity for them. You can see a chance their Super Bowl window is wide open. Yeah, you know, I think uh, the Saints. Unfortunately, got to be up there. Uh, no, I agree. I think I think they're I, you know, I think they're just, built extraordinarily extraordinarily well right now. They got Sean Payton, and I'm a little weary about what's going to happen after Drew Brees retires at some point in the near future. But you know, I really like Sean Payton. I, I think that they're very well run franchise. I don't see the Eagles going anywhere anytime soon. It's going to be tough to get back there in the NFC. I mean, there's just so many so many teams in the NFC that. You could make a case for representing the conference in the in the Super Bowl. If you're talking just over the next five years, you got to throw Packers in there just because they have Aaron Rodgers. I th- I think the rest of the team isn't that good. I'm not a huge fan of their coaching staff, but you have Aaron Rodgers. So players are still going to go there because they know that they can win. It's just Aaron Rodgers to me is like LeBron James in the NBA. It just any time any team that he's on, it automatically you know they're going to be in the playoffs. Other than that, I want to say the Vikings from their track record of, of draft picks and coaching. I, don't, I can't see Zimmer going anywhere anytime soon. If you would have asked me two years ago, I would have said Seahawks in that conversation. But at this point, they seem to be imploding, and it's kind of sad. I'll throw the Rams in there too. Just if we're talking five years, real young quarterback, real young coach, uh, excellent defense. They're uh, And they just moved. Really? Because I feel like the Rams – kind of pulled an L.A. and had plastic surgery done, and it's an all-or-nothing year for them. I think I think other than Adopican Sue, like, this is it. Jared Goff's contract comes up, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, Marcus Peters, Mark Barron, I think. There's a couple there's a couple of big names. I actually think like this is it. I think I think it's an all or nothing year for the Rams. 
Now, I can see some of the moves that they brought in, like Indomitian Sue is on a one-year deal. Aaron Donald is the last year of his deal. So if they do implode, I can see them trying to rebuild that thing. But I don't think Goff is going anywhere. I don't think McVay is going anywhere. I think McVay is one of the best young coaches in the NFL. And they've solidified that offensive line. I don't think Todd Gurley is going anywhere. I mean, they're pieces on that team that right now I don't see going anywhere. That defense might need to be rebuilt in a year or two. But uh, at the end of the day, I think they get something worked out with Aaron Donald. I think Indomitian Sue is probably going to go somewhere else next year because they won't be able to afford him. But then again, he's going to be 32 next year. So maybe he just wants to take a cheaper deal, plant a good defense, live in L.A. Enjoy um, the sun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's from Oregon, so it's fairly close to home. Um, you know, I could see that happening. But no, I just I look at the Rams and and they're one of a handful of teams in again and mainly in the NFC that uh they're young, they're built well, they got good coaches and, and they're going to be fighting for that top spot for the next few years. Not to be a homer, but uh I think you missed the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> okay. Uh you know, looking at that defense, yes, it's a big a lot of them are coming up on contracts, but Vic Beasley has proven he can he can lead the league in sacks. Um, we have Deion Jones, who's proven to be one of the best middle linebackers. The main thing I'm really impressed with is the draft pick of Isaiah Oliver. Man, Isaiah Oliver, I'm going to be honest with you, he reminds me of Richard Sherman. Like, really? He's got the long <laughs> arms. He's got that he long, stanky build, right? But unlike Sherman... This is not a knock on Sherman, okay? Sherman's not the greatest athlete in football, right? He's not the fastest guy, but where he beats you is with his technique and his length. He has crazy length. Isaiah Oliver is a phenomenal athlete. Phenomenal athlete. I think Isaiah Oliver might be the steal of this NFL draft. I think he has a chance to pull a Marshawn Lattimore and come in and start making plays immediately. He's going to be good. I I didn't see Richard Sherman out of him when I was studying and coming out. Um, he's just – he plays smaller than that to me. I think he's only like six foot, something like that. But he, he, he's got the length. He's really good in coverage. I want to see him work on his toughness. That's one thing I saw in a lot of games. Being able to make the tackle, being physical with receivers, especially the bigger oh, receivers. He's gonna, as soon as um, Julio Jones returns to their practice, he's going to learn exactly. how to be physical. Exactly. Yeah. That that's that's where he's going to have the edge. Is he's going to get to go against Julio in practice every day, and Julio is a perfect wide receiver for him to go against because Julio is the type of wide receiver that would give him the most trouble. Exactly. So, I I think that was a great pick. I really liked it. Uh, at the time, in the second round there, uh, at the end of the second round. That was a fantastic pick. When I saw him, he just reminded me of Richard Sherman, but I'd like to know who, what he reminded you of. He reminded me more of a Aqib Tlaib type player. Uh, not with the toughness, but Tlaib didn't necessarily have that coming out of college. He, I saw it a little more than what I saw with Isaiah, but... I, I think he can become a keep to leave. I think that's his ceiling, and I think that's a fantastic ceiling. It's going to be interesting to see what the Falcons do with the CBs. Uh, I just don't see Isaiah playing nickel. I don't. That's not his game. He's definitely more of an outside guy. 
Um, but I think Robert Alfred's, like I said, completely underrated. He's an athletic nightmare. He's a freak. I've seen Robert Alfred get burned at the line of scrimmage, but because he is such a freak, he's been able to bail himself out. And that's pretty. That's a pretty neat feature to have, to be like, oh yeah, you got me at the line of scrimmage, but I'm so fast. I can I can recover. And uh, there's a play... Actually, if you guys don't... I'm sure most of you guys know who listen to this. Brett Coleman has a uh, an amazing video about progression of play calling. It is actually a Giants vs. Falcons video. And in the, he also talks about it in the Tyreek Hill video. But in that video, there's a play against Robert Alfred where OBJ absolutely embarrasses Alfred at the line of scrimmage. But Alfred is so fast, he's able to recover and save the play. And from a televised perspective, because you only see the end of the play, you're like, wow, Robert Alfred shut down OBJ in the play. But from reality, it's an OBJ just complete, um, not OBJ, Robert Alfred just completely uh, saved himself just off of athletic ability alone. And it's like, that's, that's pretty cool. And I think that'd be awesome to see particularly Robert Alfred plays the the slant particularly very well uh every time they try to run the slant against him that's one of the things he's really good at stopping I think he will succeed at a high level at the nickel position I mean it's entirely possible you know when you have fast corners like that they tend to be really good at the slant because they're not worried about that double move because just like what you explained, they know that if they fall for the slant and they get hit with the double, they, they got the speed to catch up the whole Falcons defense, a lot of young pieces there, a lot of really good, you know, Keanu Neal loved him coming out. They got, they got a good squad, Calvin Ridley. I mean, how can you go wrong there? Line them up across from Julio. That's, that's a dangerous wide receiver combo right there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. It just comes down to play calling and what uh, Steve Sharkeesian can do with that offensive line, uh, but mostly play calling. <laughs> but uh, thank you, man, so much for coming on the show. It's been fantastic to talk to you. I'm sure we're going to have you again in the future. I, I wish you the best of luck with your Minnesota Vikings. Hey, I appreciate it. Maybe we'll see you in the playoffs this year. Uh, hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Third and Long. I will see you guys next week. Take care.